welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corley, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sikora. Hello. We're back. We're back. Bob, we have um we have exciting news in the world of Bob since we last recorded. Do we? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a it, it involves some friends of the show. There's a certain contest going on as we speak. <laughs> We do, we do. And you want me to talk about it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I submitted to the contest, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, we we're on the second to last day of the Garden Party Collective's uh, first chapbook contest, a new publishing venture uh, that uh, Christopher Morgan and I uh, have mostly put together. Chris doing a significantly larger part of the work um but uh kind of taking uh the ashes of the old nostrovia press that published my chapbook that chris was running back then uh and uh the winners of the god it's been so long 2018 chapbook contest who we all interviewed on the show stephen furlong uh lid havens and laura villarreal um yeah, it's been a, a long time coming. We're in the middle of this contest. I haven't had a chance to really read anything closely yet. Um, so, like, the work is about to happen, but also hopefully the, like, last, excuse me, the last push of submissions is going to happen. Um, and you are not the only familiar name in there, which is, like, it's a very terrifying thing to be like, oh, I, I know these people and I understand how much this, you know, can mean to them. Um, it feels a lot better to have five people reading the first push. Um, last time it was like me and Chris, um, yeah. the, you know, the first judges. And uh, it was like, that just felt like a lot of weight, you know, on my vote. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. You spread that out a little bit. It helps. Right. Out. Right. Um, but it's, it's obviously, it's, it's really exciting. Um, I, I was editing a literary journal for two years. I was the editor in chief at Vagabond City and I knew I wanted to like step away from that, but I didn't want to have, I didn't want to step away unless I had like my next gig lined up. Sure. Um, sure. And so me and me and Chris, like he, he reached out to me like right around the time I was thinking about quitting. Um, and it's taken like a while to get things rolling. So it's, it's pretty exciting to be here and I'll be like really excited. Uh, one on a day where I'm a little bit less tired, but also two, <laughs> um, once we have some chat books, you know, out yeah, there. yeah, definitely. Probably it also once I've done some reading, you know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, right now it's still it's still up in the air once I get my teeth into these manuscripts. Yeah, the work's always fun. Thinking about the work is not as fun. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. where we're at. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's exciting. You've got you've got good people. You've got great website design. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the site looks I, great. I can say I was very involved with draft number one of the website. <laughs> 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 uh, these subsequent drafts have made wonderful improvements <laughs> i like to think some of the uh, the foundation i had to do with but uh cannot take credit there that's great i love it well should we uh, should we dive in you got a poem this week i did i brought a poem this week we're gonna read uh the way to keep going in antarctica uh by the great bernadette Mayer. be strong bernadette nobody will ever know i came here for a reason perhaps there's a life here of not being afraid of your own heart beating. Do not be afraid of your own heart beating. Look at very small things with your eyes and stay warm. Nothing outside can cure you, 
but everything's outside. There is great shame for the world in knowing you may have gone this far. Perhaps this is why you love the presence of other people so much. Perhaps this is why you wait so impatiently. You have nothing more to teach until there is no more panic at the knowledge of your own real existence and then only special childish laughter to be shown. And no more lies, no more not to find you, no more coming back and more returning, southern journey, small things, and not my own debris. Something to fight against. And we are all very fluent about ourselves, our own ideas of food, a wild sauce. There's not much point in its being over. But we do not speak them. I had written, the man who sold his souls back on his feet. And then I panicked most at the sound of what the wind could do to me if I crawled back to the house. Two feet give no position. If the branches cracked over my head and they're threatening me. If I covered my face with beer and sweated till you returned. If I suffered, what else could I do? Yeah, yeah, that's a poem, man. Um... This is I, I, this is going to sound like a, 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 a negative thing, but I promise it's not. The title is doing a lot of great work in this poem. Absolutely, no. For yeah. sure. For sure. Um, and um, I also want to say this just, just made me laugh. This poem was written in 1968, and uh-huh. uh, towards the end there when she talks about a wild sauce, that would just not be a line in 2022 because every restaurant has a wild sauce. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I was just thinking about if I wrote that now, I'd be like, what's in my wild sauce? Well, it's a little bit of cayenne pepper, a little bit. <laughs> but no, this God is a great damn. poem. Um, uh, why, why this poem this week? Uh, so uh, uh, Bernadette Mayer, she passed away in December. And so I, I do this thing pretty much every time a poet that I know is important passes away. I'm about I'm to like, do it with Charles Simic. <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta dive into their work. I was gonna, I was gonna mention Charles Simic passed away. Was that yesterday or two days ago? It was, it was two days ago. Yeah. Two days ago. Yeah. Um, so similarly, yeah, I want to, I want to revisit, um, I believe people who knew him called him Charlie and I saw him read three times. So I wish I had that kind of intimacy. I won't call him Charlie, but Charles Simic <laughs> was a fantastic, fantastic live reader. Yeah, I think I saw him three times. Wow. But um, yeah. I haven't read much, but what I've read, I really liked of his. Right. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's a similar kind of where I'm at with uh, Bernadette Mayer of, you know, has been on lists of people that I know I should read some more of for quite a while. Um, and I'm reading, I don't know if I would say like it's her most popular or her most celebrated work. Um, it's called Midwinter's Day. It's a book length long poem that she wrote on the solstice in one day um, on midwinter's day. I feel like I've heard of that book. Right. Um, And it's one of those things that they, they, you know, they, at least in New York, I'm not sure if anywhere else they do like a marathon reading of it, you know, on December 21st every year. Um, And so I had hoped that I would like be able to read it in a day. Um, And I was at home and trying to do that. And I was like, this is, this is dumb. You're going to slow down and enjoy this book. Um, Yeah. It's it's really, really, I'm enjoying it quite a bit so far. Um, But I didn't want to pull an excerpt before I had finished it. You know, I was, I was going to try and have it finished and pull an excerpt from it, but I am, I'm nowhere near as far as I thought I would be. Um, And this, I don't know, again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard without, kind of being closer friends or having been a student or whatever with people who are like experts of her work 
Um, there's definitely a lot of people I know that, that really admire her, um, you know, that I know or that I follow or whatever. But this, this is the poem that seems to be the one that, like, has been most retweeted semi-recently yeah. about her. Um, there was a fundraiser, because she had an illness for probably the last couple of years of her life, as far as I know. There was a fundraiser um, where they sold a T-shirt um, with, like, this illustration, a line from this poem. Um, oh, nice. lot. It's one of my favorite T-shirts. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about her. I wanted to read her poem. I wanted to think about her poem. Here we're doing it. That's a great reason to do it, man. Celebrate somebody's, you know, celebrate somebody's life. I think that's, yeah. you know, we should celebrate people while they're alive. But you know, that's, that's 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 a that's a that's a reason to bring a poem to this podcast for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there are a lot of women poets from around the middle of the 20th century, like that. I just I need to get into more, like Mary Oliver, Laurie Niedecker, and like I don't know. I just uh, reading this poem, I was like, yeah, this this feels like. Feels like it was written in the '60s, and feels like other poets I've liked and meant to get into and stuff like that. Right, right. I'm trying to think. Yeah, so she's associated with the new school. She's associated also with the language poets. It, it does feel that we have these schools of poetry from that area of time. That at least when I think we were students, we just got the impression that they were male dominated, and it's you know it's more was an issue of like we just weren't celebrating the women of that era who were. Um, doing often equally, if not more so, exciting work. Um, and I know there's been some like resurgence and interest um, in in Mare's work. Um, there's someone I want to associate with her, and it's driving me crazy that I can't uh, remember her name right now. Can I get it in one try? Uh, Alice Notley is the other one I was thinking. Oh about. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Where I think I feel like there's been like renewed interest in their work, and you know, which is exciting and, and a good thing. And I talk about this case; it's, it's unfortunate as it's coming towards the end of her life and now after, you know. But again, I'm excited to get my hands on poets that, you know, that there's something. There's a particular other cool. Obviously, finding any new poet is cool. There's something else too about like oh, this is a poet that has some history, that has some people that have, like, studied it and worshipped it and are really excited about it, um, that gives you other entry points, you know? Yeah, I found lately that I do, I really like being able to, like, read something and then go on the internet and read more about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even yeah. if it's just a Wikipedia page with, like, a little bit of background information or whatever. Like, right. yeah, I, I just, and that's I, that's how I engage with movies and TV shows, too. But, like, yeah, I don't know, it's... um. <laughs> It's something I like doing with books, and it's frustratingly hard to do with contemporary lit because there's so much, so much, so many books out there, and so many writers from even from as far back as the '50s who just like, yeah, don't get that, don't get right. the credit, don't right. get the, the attention in the in the. Um, I'm not even caring about serious scholarship. Just like some people writing some articles or something, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I, I I know we've talked about this before, but I I have long wondered like where. I mean, and maybe the answer is there's not an audience for it, but where is that space for people talking about literature in a slightly less academic way? The space um, is our podcast, Bob. The space is what we're doing. <laughs> well, I would like written version of this. Again, this yeah. is why I'm so anti-podcast. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't, have, trouble I don't is... have, if, if I wasn't me, I wouldn't have the hour to sit down and listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that involves more work for both the, the reader and the listener. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I just, I, I know I'm, I'm jealous of, you know, everything you're talking about, pop culture stuff, music, movies. There's all these, you know, slightly, you know, below academic critical work that might still be critical and interesting. Yeah, well, and maybe even scholarly. Thoughtful, you know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 
You're right. Yeah. In theory, that is what we're trying to say. <laughs> It's our mission statement. We don't have a mission statement. <laughs> uh, you brought up Alice Notley. Might, I was just trying to rack my brain. Might be the only um, parent-child combo I have in my bookshelf. Is Alice That's Notley right. and Anson Berrigan. I have right. books by them. I don't think I have any other parent-child combos on my bookshelf. I don't know if I do either. That is, I think, both Notley and Bernadette Mare, you know, of what I've you know heard people raving about them, part of... You know, I think what people get excited about is they are they were some of the first poets who were kind of talking about you know domestic life in a in a particular way. Um, yeah, I know, think it was and, Notley who had like a whole book on like how to live as a radical is the way it was like phrased in the book. I think right. I didn't read it or anything. It's something right. I heard about in passing yeah. conversation, but like yeah, just what what like what a literary life can look like, kind of thing. You know? Right. Yeah, on, on so, the domestic level. Yeah. Right, and and uh, Midwinter's Day is it's very kind of rooted in like being a mother, um, yeah. you know, and, and how, what that day looks like and what it means to be a poet um, while you're also being a parent, in particular being a mother. Yeah. As a, as a working mom myself, I uh, find that, yeah, find, find, find that I could use some more, <laughs> so, some other people who are like, so how do you, <laughs> you just write while they're at school or when they go to bed? What do you do? <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's, let's get into the poem a little bit. Um, what's the, what's the move here for you? I have a couple of foremost things I, I i'm going to try to squeeze in around whatever you're talking to but oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna... I, want, I want to hear what you have to say because no, no, it's, it's your problem you, you 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 go first <laughs> um well i guess what i keep kind of coming back to when i think about this poem is as again i said the i got the, you know this t-shirt with the the line from it and the line that's on the t-shirt is look at very small things with your eyes and stay warm um it's a great which is like a great line it's a great line break. great line period yeah um but I kept thinking about this poem is that I feel like I, I had devoted like more attention to maybe like the first half of it. And I don't know if I could quite find a spot, but I feel like I could have ended this poem somewhere towards the top and it would have been like a tidier poem. Um, it would have been a little, it would have been, it would have kind of stuck with this. It, it, it just like could have worked as like a, a inspirational kind of piece. Yeah. Um, it could be a lot less interesting if it was tidier, I think. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm getting at is like what I, what I'm so excited about her work um, before Midwinter's Day. I'm so mad. I can't remember the name of it. There was a, there was a chapbook, which is always so great to find an actual, like a chapbook in the, the library. Um, oh, hell yeah. When I was in grad school of hers and I don't remember the name of it, but it was incredible. And you know, that's what's, so exciting is that I like that idea of like tidiness, I think does not describe her work. She is someone who lets it rip and kind yeah. of goes all over the place. And and so this might be unsatisfying as a move, but I feel like wherever we could say maybe the last half, if not the last third or the last fourth, for me, the poem does just kind of like unravel in a way that is a little bit harder to follow in an exciting way. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. You know, yeah. When she gets down to this part where she talks about something she had written, there's, so there's this quote within the poem. There are these colons that do not make grammatical sense to me. Um, and and the, the the quote of her own, she had written, "The man who sewed his souls back on his feet." It feels out of place. It feels confusing. Um, you've got yeah. Well, it's like she's traveling in Antarctica to write fairy tales or something like that. <laughs> right. right. Um, I I trip up. I thought I wasn't sure if I read it even correctly out loud, but I trip up on. You got those words "sewed" and "souls" right back to back, 
you know, Souls, I think always Souls of Shoes gives me double entendre um, in, you know, a, yeah. a really goofy, yeah. simple way. Um, but so really threw, threw me off there for some reason. And I love this. I had written the man who sold his souls back on his feet, line break. And then I panicked most at the sound of what the wind could do to me. Let's yeah, like immediately <laughs> taking us back. Yeah. Into this moment. Um, exactly. Like the level of she does build up and you're totally right. It's rooted with the title. She builds up the situation, you know, you're trying to survive. You're out in Antarctica and it, what's the word I want to use? Like derails feels too strong, but it, it goes off on a tangent in, in I think a way that is like, I don't know. I don't know a writer other than her that could quite do it that way. Yeah, um, and then this she brings us back to it. Yeah, this gets at what I wanted to to get into. I, the word I am kind of settling on is it gets unwieldy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever you said goes off the rails. That's too strong. But like, so I don't know. One thing I gravitate towards when I'm writing or when I'm reading a poem is like I like to start with an image or have a poem start with an image. Like, you yeah. know, be. Give me some firm ground to start on. And uh, this starts with, be strong, Bernadette, line break. Nobody will ever know, line break. I came here for a reason, line break. Perhaps there is a life here, line break. That's the first four lines. Yeah. And you could argue that as four pure lines of poetry, they're, they're, you could workshop them into shorter something else. Absolutely. They're right. Not, yeah. not the strongest, you know, they're not the most potent part of the potion here. Um, right. It's It's... And I was thinking, like, you know, I like that turn of phrase of not being afraid, the, the fifth line, of not being afraid of your yeah. own heart beating. I was like, okay, that's yeah. an interesting place to go. But you're right, like, you could, this poem starts out like it wants to be like a tidy little kind of inspiration thing with Antarctica being a really obvious metaphor. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just, like, especially I'm reading it in kind of a small window on my computer, so I'm just, like, scrolling down, and it just, like, <laughs> kind of ex- explodes all over my page, just, yeah. like, you know, like, opens up, the lines get longer, Um we start getting tabbed in um, from, you know, left justified. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool how it does it. Cause like, yeah, the, the first four lines, you're almost all set to be bored by the poem. And then mm-hmm. like, it, it just, it just goes places. And it's, it's, it's a cool little buildup. Yeah. Um, yeah. A buildup to like, you know, a, nothing um, like grounded or singular in particular Build up to like right. poetic, explosion on the page and, yeah, <laughs> awesome. yeah. and th- those two that you highlighted the two lines that you brought up mm-hmm. the uh um i'd written the man who sewed his sh- souls back on his feet and then i panicked most at the sound of what the wind could do to me it's just right i mean nothing you want to talk about potent po- poetry lines those two lines that's, <laughs> yes, that's exactly. <laughs> so yeah that, that oh, the sound of what the wind could do to me that, that goes back to <sighs> Shoot, ages ago, you brought in a poem. I maybe want to say Zachary Schomburg. Um, that's like about the the fjords poem. Yeah, that's um, where, yeah. yeah the, the the thing is never described, but it's the the possibility of the thing is the scary part here, right? Which is um, great in a cold. Yes, <laughs> we're back in the cold. Yeah, um, but if we just like continue on that, so the lion we're talking about, and then I panicked most at the sound of what the wind could do to me. If I crawled back to the house, two feet give no position. If the branches cracked over my head and they're threatening me, if I covered my face with beer and sweated till you returned, um, that word you use unwieldy. Like it's, we are going, we're thinking of possibilities. Um, 
big, big, I almost big. read it as like a, uh, I read it as like a, <laughs> a, like a chaotic, like, um, uh, like two guys in an action movie, like yelling at each other over walkie talkies, like a military scene almost. <laughs> like if I crawl back to the house, two feet right. give my position. <laughs> 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 um i can't get over if i cover my face with beer and sweat until you return like love uh, image there uh, like what the hell are you talking about there? yeah that is that is losing your mind in anarchy if i cover right. my face with beer and sweat until you, it's incredible right uh, yeah. but then it returns to that last line of if i suffered what else could i do which just smack killer last line you know Returns both to the conceit of the poem of, yes. you know, if I was in Antarctica, but also, you know, blows it up, expands it. And, you know, that, that could just be about life, you know, you yeah, know, what, yeah. what could, what could, what could this suffering bring me? What could, um, you know, if I suffer, what is that going to produce in me? What could I build out of that? I don't, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. No, no, it's perfect. it's perfect. Cause it does that. It, it does exactly what you're saying. It takes us right back to the, like, you could put the title at the end of the poem and it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, like it, it, it takes us right back there. Kind of like, you know, Ouroboros is its way. Is that snake eating its tail? Is that what that is? Um, kind of Ouroboros is its way back to the, back to the title in a really interesting way. But then, yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, not to make this a pandemic podcast, but like a, 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 a post-vaccine sort of way of thinking for, for me and Mal and I talk about this all the time. I mean, we got through that. We got through the pandemic with a, with a baby. Right. We can do anything. Right. You know? And it's like how to keep going in America. Well, if I suffered, what else am I going to do? Like it's, yeah. Oh. That stuff's already happening. Just keep going. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. Uh, yeah. It's, that rules. It's great. That it's rules. great. Rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go out. Uh, let's zoom out behind the beyond the page. What's uh, what's going on for you there? Um, be, besides her death, is there anything going on for you beyond the page? Like, well, I was thinking, or... yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think a lot of times for us, you know, beyond the pages are like real world connections. Um, but I guess which I am doing, but it's not beyond myself so much. So I, literally just last night, I started making sure I had my syllabus ready for my creative writing class this spring. And I, one of the things I start the semester out with is I'm using an excerpt um, from a, a guy we've talked about quite a bit here, our former teacher, Joshua Murray Wilkinson, um, who wrote an essay that I think he read it when he was still teaching at Arizona. It's published on the Volta. I think I've talked about it on here before. It's called On Poetry and Accessibility. And it's it's answering a much bigger question than I'm trying to present to my students, but you know, it's, it's, it's actually, it's really good timing because we just had another essay that was, you know, poetry has been dead since T.S. Eliot or whatever, Um, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's coming at this question of, you know, why do we ask poetry to be uh, easily understandable, easily comprehended, right? When we, we don't ask that of other arts. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's so often, and I, you know, I, I think my bias a little bit, this is, it's, it comes out of the way we've taught poetry in the schools, I think. And I guess I feel comfortable saying that because I know I taught poetry badly when I was a school teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I know when I, when I was, I was writing, I wrote a little bit about that, that New York times article on my, on my blog, mm-hmm. uh, shameless blog, um, plug. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, I do blame the way we teach in high school because, 
and I don't I don't blame high school teachers for it, but it's just right. like you, that's you're taught to dissect poems like like the, the way you do novels with like what does this symbolism mean? What does this right. mean? You know? Right. Um, yeah, maybe, and I think the Josh uses this in the essay, and I think you know the, the great metaphor is the you know when you look at an abstract painting, you know we don't expect people to be like I understand what it is. Right, you know, right. When we always talk about, uh, well, I guess this is a more Charles Gable and me than Josh and me, but we always talked about, uh, uh, no, no, no one ever asked explosions in the sky what their songs mean. That was going to be my next thing. I was going to say it was like classical music, but yeah, instrumental right. music. Yeah, you don't, you don't look for what's a simple reading of this thing. Yeah. So anywho, that all gets into, and this, this does go back to my move, but what the hell, I like to talk about whatever, um, <laughs> because we decided to do this. Um yeah, so I, I I was rereading that essay and trying to, I think last semester I gave them too long of a portion, so I'm trying to even shrink it down even more because I want them to, I I want them to be more comfortable struggling with poetry, yeah. you know, yeah. which all gets back to this idea of it was so funny to be rereading this poem in light of that because again, as I said, I I feel like I could chip away probably actually a sonnet's amount, but I could chip away a much tidier poem, a, t- a poem that's inspirational in almost a more Instagrammy way, you know, like um, yeah. from this. And it's just a good reminder to me as I'm flirting with writing some new stuff hey. um, that I, I love when poems kind of lose track of themselves. Um, I love when I can find that energy in myself to like let the poem explode itself um and and even if it doesn't find its way back as nicely as this one does then i know i can do that and i should want to do that i should desire to do that Absolutely. Um, and it's great to be reading bernard at mayor while i have that on my mind um just talk about someone that i want to copy more oh yeah. yeah yeah man i love it yeah that um that goes into a lot of stuff I want to talk about with my poem, actually. Um, I could I could go on about the uh, that you know wanting to uh, let poetry be itself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've had I've had that struggle a lot. You know, back when I was in college and taking lots of poetry workshops and stuff like that, I was very much like, "Yeah, who gives a shit?" Like it's it. No one ever asks abstract artists or or instrumental musicians these kind kinds of questions. So like, you know, what responsibility does poetry have to anybody to make sense right. or whatever people are asking it to do. Um, and I still kind of hold that, you know, hold, hold that a bit. And then I, but I've also like, I've struggled with it a little bit in regards to, well, how then what, you know, what then is a, is the utility of like an art form that has this sort of promise of communication, like being made of language. Um, mm-hmm. when like, you know, there's, um, it kind of like the, and I, this is not to pit these two essays against each other, but the, um, the fuck your lecture on craft, my people are dying yeah, sort of right, attitude yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. thing. And um, I, uh, I don't, I, I've never come up with a good answer, but I, I do think like, I guess I've, I have been asking myself a lot lately, why do I read books? Why do I, what do I, what do I like about them and stuff like that? Right. Right. And a lot of times it is just like, man, I want to, I want to be able to attack a book on its own terms and stuff like that. Mm. And like, um, uh, you know, if a book wants to do, you know, what Claudia Ranking was doing, and I don't, don't let me be lonely, which I was just reading the other night. Yeah. Um, versus like if someone wants to do the whole, you know, the Eric Baus surrealism kind of thing. 
Um, mm. I always think of, you know, have you read Eric Bell's? Not, no. Wild, just yeah, unknowable surrealist books. I think he's <laughs> still writing and publishing, but I haven't read him in a while. Yeah. But, uh, um, but they're just, you know, they're, they're awesome on their own terms and stuff like that. So I don't know. I guess I just kind of, I keep those two things in my head a little bit. I um, think that, I think that dissonance is important. I, 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 I agree. Yeah. I think at least like in poetry, that is like a little bit built into it of the, the promise of, you know, literally using the stuff of communication, like the, right. the, the, the tool or technology or whatever you want to say that we have best found to communicate um, <laughs> where we're using that stuff and to what ends, I think we'll ask over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and be satisfied in the unsatisfying um, right. gray space right. we'll find ourselves in over and over again. Yeah, I think you have to. Because, I mean, the other, the, you know, the other, the other part of this is like, well, you know, poetry's not going to save the world or anything like that. You know? Right, uh, right. Um, it's not our responsibility to, as poets, address address every. Uh, um, you know, can you imagine like the resistance lib Twitter version of poetry, where it's like whole books dedicated to like Matt Gates's sex crimes or something like that, or some some uh, uh, something the the Senate parliamentarian did. You know, <laughs> awful, <laughs> awful. Um, this is a pivot, but you, you, you made me think of it with Don't Let Me Be Lonely. Um, and I, I just feel like I want to mark it out loud while I'm thinking it, while I'm feeling it. As again, I'm, I'm so excited to teach creative writing again this spring. It's like, what a gift, what an honor. Yeah, I'm thrilled um, for you, man. But uh, last semester, truly one of my favorite moments is my, my student turned in this you know, piece um, that she was like, I don't know what to call it. It's, it's like, it's not fiction. It's not nonfiction. It's you know, it's not really a, it's, it's prose, you know, and, and the class, you know, gives their feedback. And then I'm like, you wrote a poem. I've got something to tell you about this <laughs> genre you maybe never have heard of called the lyric essay. And here's an excerpt of Bluets. Here's an excerpt of Don't Let Me Be Lonely. You know, just like just throwing stuff at the student. It was so exciting. Um, and I don't know, you know, if they fully embraced it and that's what they want to go out and do. But it was still just like, what a pleasure to be able to yeah. be like, there's a tradition you're writing into and like, it's such exciting stuff. And it, and like, I hope the message got across too of like, this is a new tradition. Like this isn't, right. um, you know, like you should feel like you're doing groundbreaking stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a joy. That's let's get to your, let's get to your poem. Pivot time, pivot time. <laughs> no, that, that is, that is one of the, one of the joys of teaching is, is, and, and, and just talking, talking about books with people is like, Hey, here's a way to express yourself that you're trying to get at that. It's so fun. Other people have already tried. It's unreal. Awesome. Yeah. Unreal. Magic, man. That's awesome. So my poem this week is uh, from Margaret Newton called A Joyful Life. And um, a quick little page note before I read. Margaret Newton writes her poems. Um, uh, they're bilingual in English and Anishinaabe Moen. Anishinaabe Moen. I think I'm saying that correctly. The language of the... Um, Anishinaabe people, and uh, so on one side of the page, it's all um, Anishinaabe Moen, on the other side of the page, it's English, and I really like reading poems that way, um, even when I don't remotely speak the language. Um, I have a little bit of Spanish, I don't have anything else, um, so, <laughs> but um, but I just, I just like, I don't know, I just, I just, I just like reading poems in translation, and 
you know, a pretty ignorant way, but, you know, I, I like being reminded that I'm reading in translation, like looking at the other language and trying to, you know, see a little bit of what it's doing. Not that I'm by any means an expert. Um, but I just thought that was cool. Uh, if that, if, if native languages and, uh, and poetry is something that interests you, pick up Margaret Newton's work. So this is A Joyful Life. When the sky's eye blinks in December and I can't spear one of the thoughts swimming past the ice hole, I think of the strawberry moonlight bleeding across a long summer day. When I fall in love with autumn rabbits but can't hold them close enough and all our fur is the wrong color, I think of dear woman drinking rivers to make spotted fawns. It's easy to change our minds to look through a window, fall into a lake. It's harder to quit, to wait, or step off the main path to discover a joyful life. Oof. I love it. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I you sent me this and I was like, yeah, I do not have any previous uh, you know, background knowledge with the poet or anything. And I saw it on the page and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Then I like read what you sent me along with, I, I looked at the picture first, but then right. I read along, you know, with what you sent me. Oh, we were just talking about reading new poets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very exciting. Uh, give us uh, our entry point, Chris, tell me how we got to this poem. Sure. Uh, the why is pretty simple. I, I checked out the anthology, new poets of native nations, Cool. From the library, there were lots of poets that jumped out of me. It was funny talking about talking about new poets and talking about not having any background in this poet. The only right. poet I had previously heard of in this anthology was Natalie Diaz. Um, mm-hmm. right. I hadn't heard of anybody else. Um, now, me not hearing of poets is, is not breaking news, but still, I was I was, I was pretty surprised that yeah, there's only one. Um, and this is a recent anthology, I think 2018, maybe. I, yeah, I think I just pulled it up. That looks right. Yeah, 2018 on Gray Wolf. Yeah, uh, this jumped out at me. Uh, th- this wasn't the uh, the um, there are other poets I that ha- I happen to jive with a little bit more than Margaret Newton. I do like Margaret Newton mm-hmm. as I read in this anthology, but I it, it was just an excuse I want to talk about on this podcast about how much I love reading <laughs> poems in translation like this. Hell yeah! Uh, especially with uh, with native stuff, I feel like there's a recent movement to uh, you know things like things as simple as like land acknowledgement, but also the land back movement. And then mm-hmm. like uh, trying to preserve native languages for new generations and stuff like that. It's just something I wanted to highlight on the podcast as like yeah. a cool linguistic thing. But then I also just, I liked this poem. There's a reason I took a picture of this poem t- to, uh, to send to you. Right. Um, right. No, I think you, you make such a good point of something I need to like constantly remind myself of as much as it's exciting to be in, you know, this period where I feel like there is so much great, you know, poetry being written by poets, uh, I was poets in this country written in English language, but it's, it's like a pretty foolish and like a mistake that I think poetry at large keeps making of like how limited our, our view is sometimes of, you know, how like, I don't know, like calling the, calling the tradition of poetry, you know, like, I don't know, global or, you know, beyond history uh, all of these things like it feels like it comes up short with how yeah. universal feels cheesy but you know you know you know like <laughs> like that there are poems being written by everybody in all sorts of languages um and yeah. and like and going back to your points of accessibility like interesting 
yeah, not quote unquote accessible stuff being written right. across the globe in other languages and stuff. Right, right, and just like knowing how important, you know, again, again, going back to the idea, like language is the tool of the poem or the stuff of the poem, and like we know how <laughs> once you jump into a different language, like the mechanics of it just work differently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what a what a gap in knowledge to like not be embracing and reading, you know, widely across, um, you know, both countries and nations, languages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously for, uh, folks like us who are <laughs> mostly limited to one language, um, there's only so much we can do, but yeah, absolutely. A, a very good reminder to myself in particular of, uh, what's the next work in translation that I'm going to be Kidding. Actually, I know it's in yeah. my library queue right now. I just remembered one, but that's okay. That's I, right. need to get it. I need to get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think something that something that poetry does really well, I think I've been trying to work this into like a, a pithy, like one liner. Like, <laughs> you know, if, I, if I'm trying to learn about a, about a group, I, I first read their history and then I go to their poets or something like that. And I, I haven't quite gotten it right, but I do think that, um, I don't know. I'm the kind of person who experiences a lot of the world through books. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I do, you know, if I, if I had the resources, I would love to travel everywhere in the world and meet other people and stuff, but I, I just can't. But I do like reading, reading books by people from other cultures and other countries and things like that, simply for the sake of getting a window into another world and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as I was kind of like, it's been hitting me recently that I really need to do my homework with like um, learning about um, indigenous peoples, particularly in America, yeah. um, you know, for, for a number of reasons, for for being a good person reasons, for the historical knowledge reasons for just, for just like it, I think like a lot of native American culture is uh, very interesting and maybe more, far more enlightened than Western culture. I know that's not going to be a controversial statement to a lot of people, but, um, um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of like, okay, I've read a little bit of history. I feel like I need to get, I need to, I need to go to the poets and like, um, and then just like, I don't know. Let's talk about what does poetry do? One thing poetry does give us, especially, poetry and translations like this, you know, this is a lyric, this is a description of a moment, a description of like a, uh, of kind of a, a, a realization the speaker is having, but it's also, it is as an object, it is a method of language preservation, you know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it's, it's telling me a couple of different things. Just, just this page of this book is telling me a couple of different things, even if I'm not getting all of them, but it's, it's, it's telling me lots of different stuff. And I feel like poetry is a unique medium for that. You know, I know you can read an article on the internet and then translate it into whatever, languages you want to but it, this is different you know i'm pretty sure you just like answered your question about why why do you like books and, and reading and, and poetry from like 20 minutes ago yeah if even 20 minutes ago. <laughs> that's that's why i said we're, we're, we're just, let's just get to my point we're talking about all this <laughs> oh, all right take me into the poem i know there's a couple moves that i'm already really excited about but what move do you want to shine a light on it's <laughs> It feels a little silly. Um, there are two little language things in the first stanza that um, mm-hmm. hit me. Um, second line, and I can't spear one of the line breaks thoughts swimming past the ice hole. Um, I want to say sp- uh, spare there instead of spear. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get this like, duality of like, I can't spare a thought, I can't spear a, a fish swimming past an ice hole or whatever. Um, I just think that's a really cool trick. And then the immediately next line, um, I think of the strawberry hyphen moon line break light leading across a long summer day. Mm. 
you would just think strawberry moonlight instead of strawberry moonlight, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I just think those are cool little tone things that it's hard to get tone on the page. You can get tone on the page when you do stuff like that. Yeah. Just two little linguistic sort of tricks that really, uh, really kind of tickle my poet brain. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, like, it's so funny cause it is, we're talking like second ish, third ish line line or, you know, yeah. First stanza, the first couple lines of the poem. Um, but that I can't spear one of my thoughts swimming past the ice hole. It feels so like such a simple poet move to just swap the expected thing with an unexpected thing. You know, right. I like I, I I can't spear one of the fish swimming past the ice hole is the logical thing there. Um, but by swapping a fish with the thoughts, the thoughts become fish like, which, you know, yeah. just like in one line, you're doing so much work. And you're getting an image of my thoughts. Brain. It's hard to get an yeah, image of thoughts. Exactly. And like in that classic poet way of like, that's the exact right words to think of our thoughts when we can't pin them down. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they are like fish and the way, you know, yeah, you get that great image of, I, I don't, I'm trying to think of what else I would be doing, but I'm thinking of like a kid throwing a rock into like a koi pond and like the fish, you know, move away really quickly. Um, sure. I, or if I'm walking yeah. past a frozen body of water, I'm, I'm walking past that frozen body of water. I'm not standing there contemplating it, you know? <laughs> um and i thought something similar happens in the second stanza i mean first of all the line when i fall in love with autumn rabbits (laughs) rules it's great it's great so good autumn rabbits in the free band name (laughs) when i fall in love with autumn rabbits but i can't hold them close enough and all our fur is the wrong color so again there's this like substitution that's happening like we were thinking about rabbits and now we have fur and now our fur is the wrong color and it you know it's it's i don't quite know what if there is a particular you know feeling that that's trying to present to me but it does it it gives me this sense of like out of placeness or feeling uncomfortable in my own skin or my own body um you know um there's a lot of possibility there you know and that, like you said it feels like kind of fun, like a little like tickle your brain thing, but it is also like a, a opening up of possibility yeah. through language. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, dear woman, is, yeah. I uh, was wondering if that was a uh, if that was like a pun or if that was like some sort of uh, like myth or fairy tale that I didn't know or something right, like that. Right, um, but. Uh, but it works but then, beautifully in the stanza. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's smooth down the stanza, you know. Absolutely. With autumn rabbits, can't hold them close enough, and all her fur is the wrong color. I think of deer woman spinning rivers to make spotted fawns. Just a, a great collection of similar but not too samey images. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think it's funny looking at the, the, I don't know, the last stanza. It's easy to change our minds, to look through a window, fall into a lake. It's harder to quit, to wait, or step off the main path to discover a joyful life. It's resonating me with it in a different way, having just talked about the last poem so much. And the, the, I don't know, there's some sort of like little overlap that's happening. They're definitely going for different things, but something's happening in my brain right now. Well, you can wrap that last stanza up and put it on an Instagram post if you want to. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, that's the, uh, you could you could misquote that the way they do Robert Frost like for for, for generations <laughs> if you want to. Um, 
but uh, it, I, th- I think there's more interesting stuff than than just Robert Frost, though. With the, <laughs> it's easy to change our minds, and by <laughs> how do we change our minds? You know, to look through a window or fall into a lake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it! I love it. Yeah. Um, do you want to jump to beyond the page? What's yeah, let's do on? it. What's um, on the main page. This is gonna sound weird, but as as I'm working on my manuscript, finish, finishing drafting my manuscript, uh, sending sending poems off to your little chat book contest you got going on over there. You know, I, I have been thinking about ways to uh, I, I tend towards longer, more sprawling poems, and so I've been thinking about ways to uh, write shorter, keep it on one page. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, this poem and a bunch like it. Um, the Nor Hindi one you read a couple weeks ago, um, uh, couple that we've read on this podcast, uh, the, the Delphinium ones that I think Stephen read when he was here, um, a couple that I've just been like flagging and reading is like, all right, right. Here's, a, here's a sub 15 line poem, like figure out how to, you know, or I don't know how much this is, but you know, you know what I mean? So one page, sure. uh, uh, one page, relatively compact, you know, um, uh, keep these in your back pocket and figure out how to do it, figure out how to do this a little <laughs> bit better, you know, figure out how to work with this right. more. Um, right. So yeah, I guess from a uh, varying up my work kind of thing, that's the main yeah. thing. Yeah, be, be on the page. I hear that. I hear that. And that that and all the other, you know, just trying to learn more about native culture and stuff like that. That I talked about sure. before, but yeah, for sure, I want to say something different. <laughs> my question is: is how how's winter in Chicago been? Uh, balmy, actually. I had okay. the thought the other day. I was like, why is it so cold? And it's <laughs> it's January. It's like, oh, it's supposed to be like yeah. negative six. <laughs> Because there's something about this poem, I mean, I guess it leads with December, but I was just like, this does feel like something that when it's really cold in Chicago, would it does really feel hit. like, you know, no, I live, I live closer to like the forest preserve and stuff now. So this does feel like a poem that could happen up my right. street. You know? <laughs> right. Right. I, I would just to echo, it's similar out here um, where it was like 60 degrees a couple days ago. And I was just like, what? Yeah. It's, and then it's, it, got cold, it got cold again today. And it's like, oh yeah, this is. January. This is what January should be like. <laughs> yeah, we have those two weeks of um, misery at Christmas, and then uh, mm-hmm. uh, after that's been kind of mild, and I got spoiled. I was thinking it was March. It's not March. <laughs> always just trying to get outside and barbecue. Yeah, I always, always. <laughs> uh, well, should we? Uh, should we talk some hoops? Talk some hoops. We, we could talk some hoops. We could talk some hoops. So I, I um, well, this will come out after. So um, I just interviewed Lee Ellis. Um, That's right. From my blog. And um, we were talking about storytelling and, and basketball and the, 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 the joy that playing basketball is. You and I were just talking about um, hinting at us some, some why we like poetry, what do we expect poetry to do for us and stuff like that. Do you have, I don't think you've told me on the, podcast but you've told me this, you know, I think, don't think you've said it on the podcast but I know you've told me the story of your first Clippers game but do you have a a seminal basketball thing you can point to that like oh this is why I like basketball this is what I want basketball to do for me like a, a game you just remember or a specific moment that sticks out to you something like that they just made not even like a big Clippers thing although that could be it but like something that's just like this is why this sport's cool the immediate answer, which is I tell my students when I ask them to free write, the immediate thing that, that comes to mind, that's the right thing. Just write about it. Don't overthink it. <laughs> I mean, it actually, I think it gets back down to, uh, you know, why why can't Bob play a musical instrument? Because it was hard at first, so he didn't keep <laughs> up with it. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, I was in fifth grade the first time I played a park basketball league. 
uh, a friend of mine was on a team and they didn't have enough players and they were losing every game. And so the coach just, yeah, come on, we'll, we'll sign you up. It's no big deal. And then I get there and I'm the tallest person there. <laughs> <laughs> so the coach is thrilled. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's definitely a little bit of the answers. Like basketball was the first time in a while where I, I got in there and played the sport and I was like, oh, I think I'm actually kind of good at this. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I think that's not the weirdest thing in the world, especially like as a kid, like especially quit on things. Right. Quit on things that, like, you, right. Basketball was easier than baseball. So I was like, I'm immediately like this better than baseball. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, so, you know, I got in there and the guy said, uh, you know, your job is rebounding. Just get try and get the ball when we miss a shot. Uh, and no one explained three in the key to me. So I got called for three in the key like <laughs> 10 times in this first game. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of the origin. I mean, beyond that, like, it's the obvious stuff of just this was right around the second Bulls three-peat, and it was just so easy to get swept up in how cool Michael Jordan was. Yeah. Um, you know, and just to be obsessed with that. I cannot express how vivid watching, you know, the 98 game six um, and just like the, I don't think I've ever jumped as high in my life as I did after Michael Jordan made that shot. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was I was almost going to be my answer was that 98 shot because it was yeah. like, I don't know. I was like 11 or whatever I was. So like, I'm an idiot, but I was just like, well, the bulls aren't going to lose this game. They have the best player. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. They just comes up the court and does that. And it was like, yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. It's really satisfying. <laughs> it's it's uh, so funny. It's I mean, the like, perfect shot ever. Like it's, it's, you know, top of the key, straight on. It's like framed, you know. Unbelievable. And I I, I agree with you. I, I don't know. I don't have enough like young people that I talk basketball with, but I, I just, I don't think it can be expressed enough how if you were the right age, and maybe again, obviously if you were rooting for Jordan, but yeah, like it felt completely inevitable. There yeah. was no point... Uh, you know, because yeah, I kind of like came along the ride for the 96 one. 97, 98, I was like very plugged in. Right. There was at no point where I doubted the Bulls were, were going to win. Exactly. Was, yeah. But so, I, so, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. We could, we could do that forever. And we just, we'd, 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 we'd probably get on ESPN doing that. But my, I think my real answer is um, what, do, what do I, what do I like about basketball? What do I want to get out of it? You know, what, however we phrase this question. For me, it was the first sport that you could, that I could, first and probably still only that you can like play by yourself really, if you want. Mm-hmm. But I always liked that I could come home from school, go in my driveway and just shoot. Right. And right. recently as I've been, you know, haven't played pickup very much in the last five or six years. And, um, as I've been getting a little bit more into shape and, um, just, you know, having a little bit more time in my hands lately. Um, it's just like, I'm never going to be very good. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be able to do the things I can do and play with the people I can play or like watching the game. It's like, you know, the bulls have been so bad for so long. It's like, I I don't, you know, I'm not sure I'll see another bulls championship in my lifetime, this sort of thing, but it's just like, and I'm like, okay, so what am I getting out of this? And Mm. it's just like, man, it just rules. It's just great to just watch a basketball game. It's just great to play a basketball game. Just like sometimes you just, you just want to pick up a book of poetry. I don't care what the poems fucking mean or whatever. You just read some poems, and, and, and it's you just, wanna, it's you just pick, great. Up, pick up poetry, tuck your rebels in, and shoot it into a trash can. All through. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, I guess, um, uh, you know, like thinking about, man, just 
Sometimes a poem just rules. Sometimes you just got to go shoot some jumpers, you know? It's true. I, I, it's funny of, uh, I, I think for so many of our friends like that continues to be part of the dream of, you know, of whatever our future lives can be like, but can we be in a situation where there's a basketball hoop? Yeah. You know, can like I just be near on, a basketball on, on the premises? Ideally. <laughs> yeah. At least nearby. Because yeah, I, I miss so much the be able, the ability to like spontaneously just like, Oh, I'm going to shoot around a little bit. Yeah. We used to, yeah. we used to live, uh, we used to have a situation where we had a, we had a, a free gym next to a free library. They're five minutes away from each other. That's what college is. It's having a basketball court and a library 20 feet away from each other. That's... <laughs> Man, Lee was just, Lee was, you know, Lee and I are on first name basis. Yeah. Lee uh formerly uh, no dunks in the starters. Um, now he's talking to me about um, playing in the, uh, the Balkans and all the, the Slovenian mm-hmm. and Croatian cities that he's been posting on his YouTube and stuff. He's like, yeah, you know, you, you play and usually within 20 feet of the court is a pub. And then we just go sit in the pub and like talk. And that's, you know, that's where the, for him, cause he's like yeah. trying to travel, trying to meet people. He's like, yeah, that's where the magic happens is where people let loose and tell me stories. And that's, that's exciting right. for me and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's just perfect urban planning. It's just like <laughs> basketball court <laughs> right down the block is a bar. Like, that is, that is genius urban planning. <laughs> This is not related, but it feels like the story that should come out right now. It, you just remind me, like, one of my favorite hoops memories is uh, my freshman year of college, I lived in the tall dorm on campus. I think it's 18 stories. 19. Um, I lived there, too. 19. Yeah. What floor were you on? I was uh, on 16. I was on five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, inevitably, that year, several times a fire alarm was pulled in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, and the... The best time was the time where I run into our friend Kevin. You know, it's the middle of the night. It's so cold. We don't want to be out there. And he's like, you want to go shoot some hoops? That's incredible. And because we had a 24-hour gym, yeah, we just, you know, everyone else literally just stood outside for almost an hour. Um, I needed to know you guys freshman year. I needed to know y'all freshman year. I hated hated everyone on my fourth freshman year. Not everyone. But, (laughs) man. I was just now I'm gonna shoot some hoops. Yeah. I said where it's windy and cold outside. <laughs> well, All right, well, I think that's it for the week. Is that it for the week? I think so. I think that's it. We did it. Proud of us. It took us a while. We got there. <laughs> All right. Our music is done by Brendan Johnson. Our artist is Ann Strickland, and we'll be back next month. <laughs>